Mr. Pop. Dark. And the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too. There's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to take you through the third installment of Deck Building and Dynamite, and build a deck with a new special guest, Dan! Hello! Yeah, we should probably, uh, we should probably explain for the listeners... So Ben, when he was years ago, when he was just a young little mini Ben walking through <laughs> the quiet streets of, of New Hampshire, was uh, was cursed by a strange old woman, possibly a witch, with a really weird curse that about half of the people that he ever meets in his life will have the first name Daniel or Dan, uh, including his brother, his roommate, his current podcast co-host and former uh, top mage in his World of Warcraft guild. <laughs> And now our, our special guest for, 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 for this episode, Dan. So, I, I mean, we kind of have to apply the same rules to ourselves that we apply to the cards and allies and stuff in the game, right? Uh, yeah, that would only be fair. So do we, I think we kind of need to, we need to determine a new, a new handle for our, for our, uh, extremely cool guest. So usually when we do this, it's something that's almost Dan, but not quite Dan. Like, oh, we could do Dane. And it know? can't be Dane, because that would be another problem. I was going to go with Dane, actually. <laughs> yeah, and Dane is already taken, so we have to... So something almost exactly like Dan, like Dorp, or uh, <laughs> Dernsley, or uh, do 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 or something like that. Uh, how about Donald? That uh, has some rough connotations. Yeah. How, about, how about... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. how about... What about, is, is Denny too similar to Dane? I don't want to be stuck with Denny. All right, Dennis? Dennis is Dennis any Dennis better? It is. How about how about Decker? Dalton? Uh, De- <laughs> Duke? Oh no, there's already a card named Duke. We can't really use that. Yeah, Duke is. How already. about Devin? Devin? Oh, that's uh, not bad. Hmm? What do you say, mystery guest who we don't have a name for yet? <laughs> uh, I'll Devin. I was gonna do Dana. That could work too. Uh, I would take Dana. Yeah, that's fine. But that's close to Dane and Dad already. That's fine. That's perfect. Yeah, but it, it stays true to to my identity, I guess. And also, I have a good friend who's, whose last name is Dana. So Okay. I mean, so, l- last chance. Dorp is still available. I'm going to pass. <laughs> Thank you, though. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Dana. Dana, welcome to the cast. Glad to have you here. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So, Dana, before we take you through the whole deck building and explosions and goodness... I want to ask you a couple questions. As as a new guest here at Miskatonic University Radio, I'm sure you're excited about being here and seeing us and enjoying our presence. So let's talk about you. Dana, what is your prior experience with Arkham games? Where did you come from, even? Where, where, where do I come from? I mean, I, I think that I followed the trajectory of many gamers of our generation, which is starting with magic and then sort of moving out. Oh, I heard an, ugh, and that sounded like it was from Ben. So um, <laughs> that's very I common. Mean, magic leads to usually. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, I mean, for card games, definitely magic. But I, I also have a background in role playing, um, especially with 7C and the White Wolf universe and Unknown Armies, certainly for, for horror gaming, but also board gaming, especially things like Twilight Imperium and, and bigger games like that. But within the Arkham universe, especially, I definitely started with the second edition Arkham board game oh, sure. and played that to death, I would say. <clears throat> As you guys have all experienced, I'm sure, it, it has limitations <laughs> as, as a board game. <laughs> And so, but I, I mean, it was a good enough game that probably none of these other games that we all enjoy playing would exist if it weren't for for Arkham Second Edition. So we have to give it props. That's for true. That. Yeah. It is the progenitor. No, and I I do think that it uh, it really did inspire it, the interest in that game inspired all these other games that they came out of it, right? Like Eldritch Horror and Elder Sign. Yeah, the whole Arkham Files universe, right? That's kind of where it started. Uh, it's certainly for me. There mm-hmm. there were card games before that, I think, but um, I think that was the when it sort of like blew up a bit. I'm not an expert in this particular field, so I'm sure somebody could correct me on this. But yeah, I, definitely that game, Mansions of Madness, I enjoy, especially since they've made it into a game that's got to buy an app. That makes it way better. And yeah, I slid into this game because I knew Dane, you and, and Dan 
uh, from Netrunner, of course, which is Ben's favorite game as well. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, exactly. R.I.P. And I knew that you guys had started playing it, and I was still very much into Netrunner and not really uh, willing to to spend money on other things at, at the time, nor had the ability to spend things on other games at the time. But then with the death of Netrunner, I thought, I, I need a different habit, and Arkham popped up. It sure did. It did. <laughs> and with that decision, I wanted to ask you something Arkham-related to kind of move into what we're doing. Mm. What is your... F- Favorite campaign or scenario in Arkham the LCG? My favorite scenario? I'm very partial to the train scenario. <laughs> um, Ooh, that's a good one. And it's definitely well loved. Essex County Express? Yes. Yeah. I like the, the storyline behind it. I like the mechanics in it, the concept of movement and the pressure that you're put under. And also it really helped that the first time that I played it, I uh, got mugged in the in the last train car during, I think, it was like the second agenda by what is it a witch of the order or a, a sorcerer of the order wizard of the order so this old man mugs me there and i, <laughs> I managed to escape him and jump into the next train car just as the agenda goes Oof. and as you recall the um the description on the back of that when it goes is about the train car going up into this void and an old man uh like is hanging onto the edge of it and then falls out into the water <laughs> below and it was so perfectly timed um it was yeah it was just a very well constructed experience that's karma right there don't don't ever mug anybody or else the train car that you're in is gonna detach from the train car in front of it and you'll be left to fall into a void forever uh pretty much yep <laughs> But it is okay to steal the luggage, so... Yeah, as (laughs) we learned. We wanted to ask you a question, a personal question. Not very personal, but kind of personal. Hmm. You are a teacher. I am, yeah. I've been teaching at the University of Massachusetts for the past 10 years. That's a long time. So what what is your experience with with literature and books and other things that you read? Yeah. um, You spend a lot of time burning them, right? uh, For the safety of everybody? More more (laughs) time. more, more, More time than you'd expect. You don't actually look at the uh, the symbols inside them, right? Uh, if there's be, one thing that I'm doing, I, basically all I do all the time is read books. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've specialized sort of in like other languages to read those books in uh, because sometimes you just need to know. Um, yeah, I, I study specifically comparative literature and it is perhaps the most Lovecraftian thing you can get into within the world of academia and also not like in reality but the um the the thing that we really focus on in comparative literature is doing things in other languages and i'm a medievalist and a classicist so i I do a lot of reading in latin medieval italian medieval french and i'm i'm very interested especially in concepts of i guess representations of the fantastical within that literature. Cool. Lovecraft definitely falls into that, right? Yeah. So my question for you then is what is your favorite Lovecraft story? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. And it has been a while since I've read an actual Lovecraft story. And in, in some parts that's because I've been influenced by more recent fiction that spins Lovecraft a bit. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in part, this is because I, uh, I I haven't read Lovecraft since I was in college, which was like 10 years ago. And in between then, I think I've, I've just learned a, a lot about Lovecraft that makes me uncomfortable reading his work. Mm. He was a pretty terrible person in uh, yeah. in most of the ways it's possible for a person to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you want sort of a funny take on that, I would recommend actually a, a comic called Planetary by Warren Ellis. And he that is my favorite comic ever. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, Dan, you... <laughs> it's funny that you say that because Dan actually lent me a copy of Planetary. That is one of the few comics I've read because oh, yeah. Dan made me read it. D- d- yes. <laughs> I believe that I separately in different years try- made or tried to make both Ben and Dan read the entire thing because I love it so much. Yeah. Oh, you guys should read it. Yeah. yeah. I read it. Yeah. It was good. I read the yeah. first couple. Mm-hmm. Did you read the short story with Lovecraft in it? I, I had no idea that there was one, but now I'm very intrigued and wish to purchase more copies of, of uh, Planetary. Heck yeah. Everybody should check it out. In addition to being just a really good Lovecraftian story, it also uh, does not shy away really from from his blatant racism and 
the biases that he held. Interesting. And it, to follow up on that, I right now I'm reading a young adult novel by Nnedi Okorafor, who's a Nigerian author. And she won the Lovecraft Prize for Literature a few years back. And she wrote an essay about how weird... When they give you this prize, it's a bust of Lovecraft. They just put this this head of Lovecraft <laughs> that stares at you eerily Ooh. from your bookshelf. Um, and she got quite really, really uncomfortable with it sitting there. And, and she wrote an essay about the, the difficulty of winning a prize being African and having this bust of Lovecraft looking at her <laughs> every day. Did she consider maybe putting it somewhere else? <laughs> like, yeah, well, so... Is it required that it goes in your room staring at you while you sleep? Is that a... I think that's kind of the point, right? So she she uh, she actually quotes China Mieville. I don't know if you guys have read any of his yes. stuff. Yep. Um, but I also recommend his books. And he had also won this prize. And he, in conversation with her, he said that he turns it so that it faces the wall. Uh, mm. <laughs> like as in shame but he also feels he he stated and i think that she echoed this that they they felt like it was important to keep the bust out to keep the to keep the head out because they're it's almost like they're writing behind his back and in doing so sort of reclaiming the genre of this this horror fiction and cool. I, I yeah i think is really well worth the read to get their opinions on that and also to read their their fiction um, and to see how it intersects with with those sorts of worlds. Certainly, The Lagoon by Okorafor is is really excellent and horrifying in many ways. Yeah, I think the I think that you know Lovecraft's uh, you know other aspects of of who he was are definitely kind of hard to reconcile. I know I really like Mountains of Madness partly because I think it's a really great story, but also because it's one of the ones you can recommend to people knowing that it doesn't have a huge amount of horrific racism in it yeah. uh, compared to some of the other yeah. ones. Um, mm-hmm. But I also, I mean, I think we should maybe give a little bit of kudos to FFG for the way that they handle it in Arkham Files, where they they do a pretty good job of um, bringing in characters of different backgrounds and sort of giving us kind of like a more fun version of the 1920s than actual the actual 1920s. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, yeah, the Arkham Files universe is, is certainly an enjoyable place to, to be. Very much unlike the actual 1920s, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so that being said, now that you all know Dana's backstory, <laughs> let's build a deck. Yeah, let's do this. Hell yeah. <laughs> should we, uh, may- before we actually start picking out a deck, should we just briefly ask Dana, do you have kind of like uh, types of decks that you like to play or ways that you like to play the game? You know, what's, what are your kind of like preferences for, for how you play Arkham Horror? I'm glad you asked, man, um, because I feel, <laughs> so I've, I've been listening to your podcast a lot and I, and I do think that I have, oh, uh, thank you. yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. And it's made me think a lot more about how I interact with these cards. And um, I mean, these are, these are conversations that I have often with my role-playing friends about what it is that we want to get out of any game that we go into. And certainly from role-playing, one of the things that I've realized about games that have story in it is that I want, my focus really wants to be on narrative. So I do like the card interactions and everything like that, but I'm not necessarily trying to make the most effective deck that I possibly can. I'm trying to make a deck that that interacts well with the story and that reveals something about the character from the cards that are in it. So in, in the past, um, I mean, I've been, I've been playing a lot uh, by myself um, because it's hard to find people to play with sometimes. And most of the characters that I've been playing with recently are uh, William Yorick, Ursula. I played a solo game with Agnes. Cool. So, yeah, and those those characters seem to work well with what I'm doing, especially um since I'm I'm just playing by myself. A lot of the time I'm I'm really looking for deck efficiency when I do that, so I'm I'm, I'm really looking for the ability to get more out of those three actions. Would you say I mean obviously you're you're trying to you're trying to pick something that's sort of at least a little bit functional in solo mm-hmm. mode, but is it like narrative stuff about those characters that really appeals to you about them? Yeah, um, I and each of them for for different reasons. I I really like the concept of exploration, and I think that's one of the reasons that Ursula calls to me. And I mean, one of one of the things that I love about horror in general is that it's so tied into this concept of obsession. Mm. So so mm. much of the of the individual the individual horror of each of these characters is not built around the horrifying things that they encounter in the world outside but the horrifying realizations that they have about themselves. I don't know if, if William York ever actually has those 
those horrifying realizations. But uh, certainly you can see that I think in Agnes and the drive that Ursula has to push herself to the, the next room in a labyrinth, even though it's against better judgment. Yeah, she's got that call of the unknown, right? Yeah. It's her weakness. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that they put the weaknesses into these decks because it, it allows you to sort of understand how, if, if you were to be role-playing this, what it is those characters would fall for if, mm-hmm. if there were a problem. And I, I think the way that when I've played William York, I've thought of it is this unrelenting drive to get rid of the undead. Oh, cool. In yeah. sort of the same way as Jim Culver, but William York, I would say, is much more physical in its approach. Yeah. Yeah, they they really do. They've really done an excellent job um giving each of these investigators a personality that's expressed through kind of through their abilities but also through their weaknesses and unique cards. Yeah. I think is really well done. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I will say is so uh, when I when I first started playing the game and and when I was doing it solo, probably the most frustrating aspect of the game is that any given deck that I was making at the time and this is possibly my my limitation as a deck builder. I could get my deck to do maybe like two or three things, but in any given scenario, I was being asked to contend with three or four things. Mm-hmm. And that was fine until that third or fourth thing that my deck couldn't deal with was something that was permanent. And then what would happen is you'd, you'd sort of like sit down and realize like, well, I, I just lost this scenario, right? Because there is literally nothing that I can do about, about this thing that's happening. And that can be a frustrating experience, I think, in, in any game, but definitely it's happened a lot to me in Arkham, where you get a series of bad draws and you just really have no time to collect yourself and have the cards that you need to get out of a, a bad situation. Yeah. Um, whether that situation is asking for a will test that, that will get rid of the, the curse that's come out, um, that's landed on you, or you've encountered a monster and you haven't had the time to get any weapons out and you have low evade. And you just realize, like, well, this is going to be my next, like, two two turns. And in the meantime, there's a really good chance that I'm going to draw another monster on top of it. Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of these problems are more designed around solo play. Because you, ha- you find yourself in solo play more often yeah. having to cover all of the bases for a shorter amount of time, right? Like, yes, yeah. The whole game goes by much quicker, but also each test is magnified. Compared to if you're playing with three people, you can kind of designate one person to do one thing, another person to do another thing, and, you know, the other person can kind of pick up both roles or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that said, how do you, what is the role that you want to explore today? Yeah, so I was not thinking of making a solo deck today just to, to go along with what you guys have done with prior deck building experiences. I haven't thought about a role within a group of people, but I suppose it would be either primarily or secondarily dealing with with monsters probably not an investigating role and not even necessarily having the ability to investigate that much but then being able to run around and and do other stuff on top of of handling physical threats sure did you have a particular investigator in mind I would like to play a uh, survivor and here's where I should say Dan you you inspired me did I? Yes, you did. <laughs> did I? Yes. Ooh. I was listening to the podcast a little while ago, going back through the archives, and I think it was like the unboxing of Return to Dunwich. I think it was Return to Dunwich, where the second level of Oops <laughs> came up. Do you remember that conversation? Yes. <laughs> Vaguely. I mean, it's a pretty decent card. That That's not what you said at the time, as right. I recall. Really? <laughs> yeah. What did I... Well, I mean, the original Oops is like famously a terrible card. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. But... This is, I remember, it far better because it allows you to still hit the thing that you wanted to hit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, th- I think what inspired me about that conversation was thinking about <laughs> all, the, all the opportunities that, uh, that come with failure in this game. Where, right. Where when you... You picked uh, the right class. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew, I, I really wanted to pick a, a deck that you would enjoy building, Dan. Because I know, I know how much you love Survivor, first of all. And then I also know how much you love card combos. <laughs> I mean, hey, Wendy is one of my favorite investigators. I just got to throw that yeah. out there. And I was thinking that Wendy could possibly work for a deck like this. Um, a deck that's built mm. around failing and uh, getting, <laughs> getting bonuses through that failure. This is, this is a great experience. So you want to fight stuff while failing at fighting stuff? Is that, 
is that the plan for this deck? Yeah, to fight? yeah, it is. I mean, right. so <laughs> that being said, Wendy, Wendy is uh, maybe not the best at, at doing that. I was thinking that maybe Silas, oh, yeah. Silas might be a yeah. little bit better. Um, just yeah, totally agree. Okay. I mean, strong options for or Silas and York are obviously both very good at fighting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Duke is Duke is pretty good too. And you can make Kelvin good at fighting too, but that's a, has an extra challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like Duke and the Human Companion uh, Ash Campy. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Duke Duke has certain limitations that he is a dog. He is he's a dog, right? <laughs> exactly, and he's a good dog, but right can't can't open doors. Can't <laughs> open doors. Among other things, <laughs> smells terrible. Silas Marsh sounds like a good plan. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we go with him? Okay, let's go. Let's go with Silas. Let's go with the crusty sea juggler himself. Cool. He is one of the <laughs> two investigators that are only available from the books that are very impossible to find. Yeah. So I'm sure not everyone has had a chance to check him out yet. Yeah, we're still waiting to see what his um what his sort of canonical unique cards and weakness are because uh, we only have the promo versions. But we can see them though, right? We have the names. He has like a harpoon and something else. As any good sailor man should. But we don't know what they do. Yeah, what is it? Uh, nautical prowess. Yes. Yeah, his alternative cards are the dreams of the deep and nautical prowess. Oh, oh, I see the. Right, yeah. But his actual cards, if you like, look at the back of his uh, character, it says, oh, you get to include Siren C Call. Harpoon and Silas Net and Siren Call in his huh. deck. Who knows, what, who knows what that stuff does? Okay. So we should we should figure out, so you've, you've chosen Silas, you want to make kind of like a combat or dealing with enemies focused build. We could narrow that down a little bit. Do you want to go, do you want to be able to get clues at all? Or are you going to go sort of full combat, full monsters? I, I gotta say, the only way I'm going to be able to get clues, in my opinion, is by failing to get clues. If that makes sense. So, <laughs> I would... <laughs> so, uh, I would... There's, there's cards for that. Yeah, oh, yes. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I'm glad you picked this class, because <laughs> Guardians certainly don't benefit from failing <laughs> no yeah i i think the my my concept here is that i'm going to be using things like um live and learn and, and stuff like that i think in an attempt to make him effective probably not not throwing a, too much into trying to get clues would be the right mm. way to go Sure. Yeah, sure. Th that's reasonable and the only other thing i would ask before we kind of start picking out cards because this will, will make a big difference you know, Silas has four combat and four agility, and yeah. you can kind of, the, the survivor card pool is tilted a little bit towards agility, but there's also good stuff you can do with strength. So do you have an idea of, do you want to kind of lean more towards one of those things, or do you want to go for both? Like, if you're dealing with enemies, mm. you can either do that, you could go agility, and you could use, like, the bow, or, like, things like waylay and backstab, although I guess you probably can't use backstab. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going strength, you could use weapons and things like right. that. Do you have kind of an idea of which direction you want to go, or kind of both? That is a good question. I uh, I think my initial concept of this was to be a little bit more evade in my approach, but I was thinking more of a Wendy deck at the time um, and, and something that could handle horror. Um, being being faced with fours in both of those, I, I'm generally as a player more inclined towards fight than evade. Mm. I think it's honestly both are both are pretty viable now. Uh, I yeah. think that survivors have had a tough time in picking up good cards, good solid core foundation <laughs> cards to be that. Because I remember when Silas came out, he had like kind of fire axe to draw upon, uh, you yeah. know, natively in survivor cards, and nothing really else. You know, like he had like baseball bat, but that's kind of like might be a little uh, <laughs> ephemeral sometimes <laughs> when you right. swing it once and then it breaks, and you're just like, well, sure was nice doing two damage for a little while. And I do think I, I just want to say, I mean, I, I do agree that both fighting and evading are both useful in in their own situations in their own way. But I think that if you're planning on playing multiplayer, like if you're saying you're going to be in a group of three people yeah. and you're trying to be the group's monster handler, mm -hmm. that really I think pushes you towards permanently dealing with monsters right. by murdering. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. and then, and then maybe maybe have this concept of failure really unfold when dealing with every other thing uh, that I do. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. So why don't we define one more thing quick? How many how many people are you playing this with? Is this like a two player or four player game? So that determines a little bit how focused you're going to be on something. Yeah, or a three player game. Um, or I generally game. conceive of things in three player. All right. Yeah, and we'll assume you're the primary fighter. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just also assume you have first dibs on any unique cards or whatever, so we don't have a discussion about that again mm. okay good yeah i think that <laughs> right we're we're trying to design the ideal deck yeah just in case there were some random unique cards that might be really good right. for silas yeah, yeah in case that happens yeah. that makes sense 
Cool. So I think uh, when when we kind of when we kind of do these episodes where we make decks with people, we kind of start by we usually ask people what are the core cards that are most critical to the role that they want to play. Mm. So you want to deal with monsters. What are the kind of main cards in your deck that you're primarily going to rely on to deal with, usually meaning kill uh, monsters and enemies? Yeah. Um, I know the answer to this. Go for it, Dan. Is it, is it weapons? That's not a card. Is there a card called weapon? <laughs> I was so close. There's a card called improvised weapon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because when I've played Survivor in the past, I've played, um, what's his face? William York, I sort of the weapons are already picked for me in many ways. Yeah, hmm. Silas does have fewer options because he can't use guardian cards, but yeah. there's still some good options out he, there. There's like four or five level zero weapons now. There's baseball bat. Mm-hmm. There's fire axe. There's Meachetti. the shovel, and of course, yeah, of course, uh, <laughs> nah. the meat cleaver. Uh, oh yeah, there's a meat cleaver. Yeah, yes. there sure is so, a meat cleaver. Oh, I think I gotta go with the meat cleaver. Until I'm able to get the harpoon, I think that probably this is the way to yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if uh, Silas is the chef on his ship, but if he's ever met Zoe, <laughs> Zoe's really good at cleaving fish people in the head. Right. So, <laughs> like, if he's ever learned anything from her, it might be how to use a meat cleaver. Yeah. Yeah. Have Have we the meat cleaver still relatively new? Does anybody has anybody here actually played with it before? We I think when we looked at it in the and we reviewed that pack, we said that we thought it was very good. Yes, I I did yeah. a couple solo playthroughs with it, and it is very good. <laughs> it's very good i think it's very good and especially if you're playing with with like three or four other players somebody can maybe help you out when your uh when your brains go too low well i mean the good part about it is it solely heals your sanity i mean silas has low sanity but he's true. a survivor and he has access to several different ways to deal with the sanity yeah damage. like if you play with it carefully you should be able to keep your horror up and there's definitely cards you can play that will help with it too yeah. But yeah okay let's let's add let's add that in yeah, that that sounds good. And then you probably want uh, more weapons than just that kind of as backups, oh, yeah. right? And I do like baseball bat. Fire axe might be okay. Clear to a shovel, shovel is like okay, especially if you want some way to randomly get a clue. <laughs> yeah. So one of the survivor themes too is like kind of picking stuff back up after after they're broken or miraculously finding another baseball bat that had your mom's initials on it, just like the last one <laughs> that you broke over some monster's head. So right. <laughs> one of the directions you can take uh, that with too is you can take a baseball bat or a couple baseball bats or whatever. There's another very well loved, well loved uh, archetype that exists within survivor and only within survivor and i think dan knows exactly where i'm going with this is it is it like a, a horse that's like kind of a uh, absorbs light rather than reflecting it <laughs> that's pretty much what it is almost mm. almost on the head <laughs> dark horse builds have been uh, the subject of of a lot of of attention yeah so is that is that more of the direction you were thinking on going with this are you are you thinking of being a, a broke-ass sea bum and scuttling around the docks with a machete i was thinking of playing with drawing thin but now that now that you oh i mean uh, you should probably put drawing thin in there right now i should probably put drawing things in don't don't even think about that if you want to fail and be good at it yeah there you go well that's that's the thing i want to make a couple quick points about dark horse first of all if silas plays dark horse canonically it's a seahorse that's (laughs) that's i won't i'm not even going to listen to any arguments about that that's just a fact two the thing is, if you're playing Dark Horse, you're just going to be too good at stuff. You're not going to be able to fail as much as you want to for this deck. So this is a case where these two extremely good survivor archetypes are kind of in conflict with each yeah, other. Yeah, Dan, Dan makes a good point. I don't want to be too effective. <laughs> or too good, ineffective. Good point maker, you have to Dan. be like kind of right in the middle, you know. Why don't we decide? Dark Horse now or no Dark Horse? Seahorse. Let's let's hold off on Seahorse. Because normally, normally we would say just throw cards in and then we'll cut some later. But Dark Horse, you kind of want to decide whether to build your deck around it or not. That's kind of why I brought it up, yeah. No, I like I like the the possibility of having lots of resources, actually, in this game. Cool. Um, it, can, <laughs> it can be really frustrating when you, when you don't. Drawing Thin will help with that. It for sure. Yes. Does, so. yeah. Drawing Thin is kind of what I consider to be part of this this not new survivor thing because their thing was always to fail. Mm. But now they can fail and be like and, and like benefit greatly from that. Yeah. You know, so there's this kind of like survivor fail package that I thought is is kind of a neat way to say it. Uh so if you're looking to fail, they will ship you these cards or these things. Well I feel like let's go through those cards maybe and I'll just add them to the deck list. Before we do that, do we want to pick out a couple more weapons or things that can deal damage? Oh, yeah, And then yeah. we can jump into the fail package. Yeah, good point. Man. 
before before we get to the <laughs> disaster zone, absolute <laughs> failure, uh, complete complete cataclysm right. uh, package. I mean, there, there's a couple weapons, there's a couple events you could throw in there. Mm-hmm. What's the improvised one? Is that good? I can't remember. Imp- improvised weapon. Uh, yeah, the improvised weapons ones, ones all right. You could throw your baseball, but you could throw baseball bats in. Oh yeah, you could throw. You could throw fire axes. Act of desperation, maybe. Act of desperation is really great if you have like a gun that you use up all the ammo for, but. You don't really have that as a. I, I feel like I'm not going to have any guns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw a baseball bat in because I like it. Cool. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a little weird to have to have a crusty sailor running around with a baseball bat, but I don't know. Maybe they keep it on deck. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the main thing is if you're playing that in meat cleaver, you probably don't want other hand slide items because your hands are going to be kind of full. Yeah. But that's okay. All right, All right, cool. Let's look at that fail package. Yeah. Fail <laughs> package. Well, so I feel like live and learn must be in there, right? Ship directly from Survivor Direct. Yeah, if you if you want to fail, uh, <laughs> live and learn. Live and learn doesn't. You don't actually get a benefit from failing from live and learn. Yeah, it's what you redo. The the fail package is more stuff you benefit from directly. But live and learn really interacts very well with with drawing thin. I mean, even in a deck where you're like gagging to fail tests, I don't live and learn is still maybe not. Wait a minute. Great. Does live and learn repeat drawing thins benefit? Is that why? It's a separate test. Yeah, it's a separate test. Okay. okay. You repeat the test with any modifiers from like initiating the test. Sure. Okay. Like if you use like a if you use a gun, you get still get the bonus from the gun, but anything that happens during the test uh, does not happen. But I guess you do get to you get to basically fail on purpose the first time, trigger your drawing fins, trigger whatever else, right. and then try to succeed the second time with the little learn bonus. So yeah, maybe it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, that might that might be good. Let, let's throw that in this fail package. Yeah, you can always cut it out later. Yeah, like drawing thrin is there in there. Uh, take heart. Take heart take is certainly heart. the next card. Take heart's also innate, which I think works something with Silas. Yeah, oh, that's I fantastic. I think it's just that he can play them, but he it's already red. Yeah. So well, there's that there's that one card that lets you like fish and eight cards out of the discard pile, so you can just like keep failing uh, and yeah. take heart, and then you can fish them all back, and then mm-hmm. and then you can fail some more. Yeah, and draw lots of cards and get, real quick. Get ready. Yeah, we should definitely mention what exactly Silas does because we haven't even confronted his ability, which yeah. is uh, very interesting, very unique, and very uh, very important to, to to note before we start building this deck. Well, yeah. he's a uh, like he's a bit more skill focused mm-hmm. out of the survivors because his ability is after you reveal a chaos token during a skill test you're performing return a skill you committed to this test to your hand, mm-hmm. which means like if you overcommitted a card or undercommitted you can yoink back a card to use again. Yes, uh, it is a limit once per round. Yeah, yeah. So so with live and learn as it pertains to this card, you can kind of like wait to see if you'll fail, and if you get that plus one. That always happens when you play your take hearts with any other any other uh, person. You can take it back. Yeah, you can take back the take heart. Right. Yeah. 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 So so that's part of this failed package. What else is a part of? Oh, rabbit's foot maybe. Yes, absolutely. Rabbit's foot. Oh yeah, absolutely. No other than drawing more cards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could instead of rabbit's foot if you wanted, you could play the new grizzly totem, but. We, I think Rabbit's Foot is probably better than the level zero multicolor Grizzly Totem, but maybe you could upgrade later to the level three Survivor Grizzly Totem. Hmm. The upgraded Grizzly Totem works really well with the fail package because it <laughs> lets you go back Take Heart after you fail, and you could and still get the benefit of Take Heart. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an important fail ingredient in the fail soup that we're going to brew together. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, it it drops in price too. Like one of the one of the big detractant detractants detractors tractors. Tractor beams. What the hell just happened? For me, when I first saw the card, was that it's three resources, which is a lot for survivors, right? The upgraded one, however, drops to two, which is one less resource, and it's mm. <laughs> it's quite nice, uh, actually. Dan, can you <laughs> confirm that the math is correct on that? <laughs> uh, I, I was not really paying attention. <laughs> All right, so you got weapons. Uh, are, we, are we forgetting something extremely obvious in the fail package? I feel like we are. So... Dana, I, th- I think that when you, what what Dana's talking about is he wants to help his friends find clues just just barely by failing. <laughs> so that the card uh, from the core set is look what I found. What Dana wants to do is to like trip and fall into a dumpster. Oh yeah, and then jump out of the dumpster holding some kind of strange key and saying, "Hey guys, I found this disgusting thing in the trash, and maybe it's a clue." So there's a card for that. That, that is exactly yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Good Good call, Dan. 
and it is i mean it is kind of like the oops of clue getting right Mm -hmm. so yeah by by the way we we should actually oops is definitely part of the fail package right so we should oh my god (laughs) i don't know if regular oops is i think upgraded oops would be because regular oops when you fail you deal damage to a different enemy at your location that's why it's really bad so you're right regular oops is quite bad but let's put it in we can always cut it out later sure. it's it's like the mascot for the deck right and, <laughs> and, and it is, is true it is it is double combat symbols too so it could just be like a, a worse overpower that's what i was gonna say right, if, if we wanted to include it for for the flames if we have enough awesome cards we can always cut it but All right. um i think that i should probably add lucky to the deck just because it's a good card but also because uh so much of the failure relies on me failing within two mm. That is also a good point too. It helps you. It helps you get to that that two threshold for right. um, those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you could go wrong with Lucky. Lucky is a good staple card to have in the deck. So, what about are are you going alone or are you are you taking friends? With oh, you? I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> you you haven't filled your ally slot yet. <laughs> I have not. And you have you have some options. Um, there's definitely there's at least a few survivor allies. Honestly, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. If you're playing Meat Cleaver, there's one particular extremely good ally that you probably want to think about, right? Are you talking about Madame LeBranche? I'm talking about a, a football gentleman. Oh, yeah. By the name of Peter Silvestri. The big man on campus. You're not talking about a cat? <laughs> yeah, what about a stray cat? I mean, because so you're going in more of a strength direction, so you don't really benefit as much from the agility, although there will still be situations where it helps. But just the fact that he gives you this sort of uh, infinite horror healing every turn is really, really good, right? Yeah. Because even if you do end up using the cleaver a lot and not being able to heal off of it and you get in kind of a, a difficult spot with your with your sanity, Peter will really help take care of a lot of that. So. For sure. And it lets you be a buffer a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah, certainly. And sometimes, like, this is kind of a deck for... And he, like, if you want to take this into Carcosa, you're definitely going to need that. <laughs> that, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going off of the Meat Cleaver, the secondary effect of the Meat Cleaver is when you have three or fewer Sandy remaining, it does more damage, or doesn't do more damage. It has a higher combat bonus. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Silas is probably going to be at the three or fewer Sandy remaining threshold uh, relatively quickly. Yeah. If he wants to be. So he might consider using some of the... I think we have the fail package done, so I was thinking we could look at some skill cards to add to him, because he's all about the skill cards. He is, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think I think that's a good idea. And there's a there's the desperate skill cards right. that like work. Desperate search. Yeah, they they're plus four to a skill when you have three or fewer sanity remaining, which kind of synergizes with the meat cleaver, Peter Sylvester buffer zone. Desperate search is the only one that actually has desperate in the name. The other ones have different names, but they all have the desperate trait, and they all have four of one skill icon. Yeah, so I think the the cool thing about this is that survivors never really had a way to deal themselves horror so that they can get to that threshold, other than, like, Ashcan being able to take things outside of his class, right? Like, the key of St. Uh, Hubert is very good in that mm. respect, because it immediately turns that on. Whereas the Meat Cleaver actually says you may heal one horror. And if you have Peter out, you can kind of reliably stay at that threshold, so you can get those desperate stills to stay, you know, in that... You can stay in the danger zone, so you can run for your life and say your prayers. But also you got peter to help back you up in the case that you you know you 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 see a little too much shit right so i was going to suggest adding a reckless assault which is the combat one yeah say your prayers just to have maybe one or two of those to have something to boost your very bad will yeah i think that's a good idea and then like one or two run for your lives to deal with agility tests and i mean there's a there's desperate search is the clue is the intelligence one but i don't know if we don't really need need that that one because you're gonna be focused on fighting yeah, somebody who murders a lot. Yeah, you're probably only going to have to get clues a couple times and you have your look back founds for <laughs> Perfect. that. So. And then um, another really good card for Silas is Defiance. Yeah, and Ben, you should talk more about this because there are cards that are meant for investigators. And I think that this is definitely one of those cards. So Defiance is a mystic skill card. Silas can take it because it's innate. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And its effect is, before revealing a chaos token for the test, choose one of the following symbols... Skull, cultist, tablet, or elder thing. Ignore the effects of the chosen symbol during this test, including its modifier. Mm. So what's fun with this one is the level zero one, uh, which isn't as good as level two, but the level zero one is you can pick a symbol. The ignore the effects of the symbol is a lasting effect, so that triggers immediately. No, it doesn't trigger. It is it is just in effect. 
And then you can use Silas's ability Yoink back Defiance right. after you've ignored the symbol. And it still ignores the uh, symbol. Or if you've chose the wrong symbol. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then you can use it again next turn. So you like every round you can use <laughs> it to ignore a symbol. And then there's a level two version that just ignores all those symbols for the test. Huh. So like once per round, if he wants to use his ability on it every round, he can commit it uh, and not have to worry about the spooky symbols screwing him over. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Yeah, that's yeah, a great Silas card. The level zero one is like kind of borderline of whether it's worth it. I mean, it, I think depending on what the chaos bag looks like, it's you know it's probably worth it. Yeah, but yeah, the level two one is really really good for Silas. Yeah, like we might cut it from the level zero deck, but definitely wanted to bring it up. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. important. I, I really like how that interacts with his ability. Actually, yeah, it's incredible. I think that we um so I think that we kind of we've covered the kind of core cards for fighting monsters. We've covered your kind of uh fail package for the stuff that's like really specific to what you're trying to do and your your kind of like acceleration and economy cards kind of. Hmm. The other two categories that we we usually talk about are sort of fundamental staple cards, basically like cash and um unexpected courage that just go in almost every deck unless there's a good reason not to. Mm-hmm. And then also emergency cards that are sort of Cards to handle specific situations that you might run into. I think you've already picked a couple of those because I think... Um, Lucky? <laughs> I think, like, look what I found. You could almost consider kind of an emergency card because it's handling a situation that's sort of outside of what you normally expect to have to do. But the other one I would think about is because you are going to be riding that low sanity pretty often, you will be at risk of one big hit of, like, taking three sanity, three horror at once could sort of kill you. Yeah. You could think about taking Perseverance, which is like a prevent you from dying card Mm -hmm. one of that maybe yeah because it it also commits for two i mean with silas you really want skill cards not just things that have icons on them but it can be committed for two will icons if you need to which is good because i i think that a a lot of what comes up out of a encounter deck is often these will tests especially in the in the newest campaign yeah that's for sure like really rough will tests that you have to contend with (laughs) and he's only he's only running around with two so yeah that's a good idea i think and then you could play um you could play some of the base skill cards too, the ones that were in the core set, like Overpower and Manual Dexterity and Guts. Mm-hmm. Um I mean on the one hand, you don't want your entire deck to be full of those, but on the other hand, Silas does really benefit from having access to skill cards. So mm. there's a point where he might have we don't have too many in there, because he just wants to have enough that he has like a couple in his hand that he can use each round and pull some of them back. Yeah. yeah, Ben Ben being the person here who has played Silas for a, a fair amount of time in the past is the one who's most likely to know what the right balance is. There's also yeah. one other event I was thinking of might be good with this build, uh, which is Fight or Flight, because the strategy for this build is going to be have one or two horror on you like all the time. Mm. Fight or Flight is like a plus, it'll be like a, at least a plus one, probably a plus two to oh, combat and agility for the whole round. Mm-hmm. Pretty reliably get there, yeah. And it only costs one. So, like, that's a pretty good one of emergency. Oh, there's a boss I got to hit really hard this round, and I'm out of skill cards. Yeah. Or I want to save skill cards or something to commit to other people or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So one thing in that in that core that I actually forgot about, one of our other friends who was on this, who was on the cast earlier, Alex, had a Silas deck that I saw played, and we just kind of, you know, he just kind of built it and, and then presented it. And one of the skill cards that he can take that we haven't, talked about is quick thinking which is a rogue card that he's able to you know he does all his silas things where he can check it out uh if 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 he succeeds by two then he can commit it and he can get that extra action and then if if not he can just kind of you know pull it back and use it sometime later so he can get a whole other action kind of at his disposal with that card and i think that this card is a very solid card what you can do that with it when you have that assurance of getting a whole another action to mall monsters or go and do other things with it too. So that's, that's another consideration. Yeah. We can add that in. Opportunist might be okay with Silas's ability as well, just cause he can, you know, get back. Although I don't know how much, how often he'll be succeeding by three anyway. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm not sure I'd go for opportunist, <laughs> but we kept that one. Try if you want. I know there's also a bunch of, uh, like, since I played Silas, uh, like the Circle Undone came out, and there's a bunch of innate cards that came out in the Circle Undone deluxe box. I don't know if any of those are mm. good choices here. Like Steadfast might be okay if you're going to be hovering at lower sanity, you won't get the full benefit from it. But I didn't know those were all innate. 
I also, I think that he might be sort of have just barely too many items to really benefit from able-bodied. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess you're really just going to have rabbit's foot and one weapon probably. So it'll be two and two. Mm. Yeah. So he'll, yeah, like that could be solid. Like instead of having overpowers and manual dexes, he could just have evil bodies. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you'll you'll probably be drawing enough cards off of um, Rabbit's Foot and drawing thin, hopefully. So <laughs> what he's trying to say is that you'll be failing a sufficient amount. <laughs> I'll be failing sufficiently to fuel your to, draws. Uh, <laughs> hey, but drawing cards, drawing cards. How many cards do you have in the in the list right now? Uh, right now there are thirty nine. I, I most of these does I've not have unexpected it. courage on there though. Maybe he doesn't I need did it. Not no. So, I mean, we're probably, maybe we're getting to the point where we want to start cutting stuff out. But before we do that, I mean, Dana, you're the one making the deck. Are there any cool cards that you want to put in that, that aren't on the list yet or cards that you were hoping to play? I was very excited about the interaction between Drawing Thin and Live and Learn. Um, I, I was able to pull that off in a Yorick deck that I was playing recently. And I think that it would be even better in a, in a Silas deck. Just because of the flexibility of whether to to pass a test or not, and then yeah. capitalizing off of the failure of the of the test, and then the ability to uh, still pass it regardless of that afterwards. So right now we're we're hitting that. I think one thing I'm a little worried about is, um, and this is not a, a serious worry because it's backed up by Meat Cleaver. But is there a way right now for me to get Baseball Bat back when it inevitably dies to? tentacles or to a skull not yet there is there is something uh there's a card a skill card called resourceful that you can put in just for that purpose yeah um to grab baseball bat back but one thing that i was going to point out you mentioned um live and learn uh baseball bat actually synergizes with live and learn in the way that if you crack your baseball bat over something and it starts breaking you can attempt that test again with the same benefits that baseball bat gives you initially so you would discard it after it resolves, but you would be able to take that test again for the benefit that baseball bat gives you. That is if true. you failed it on the skull, right? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Or tentacles, but I would definitely say that I think in a deck like this, I mean, you play like four weapons. You're really just trying to find the meat cleaver. Like the baseball mm-hmm. bat is kind of just there as a backup. So <laughs> I don't know if you absolutely need something That's to to get back your baseball bat. But given that you are focused on skill cards anyway, maybe like one resourceful or something wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. I'd say that's fair. Yeah, why don't you add the one resourceful? Do we want to add unexpected courages on there, or do we just want to skip those for this? Let's skip those for now, and then we'll we'll see maybe what the final build is, and if it makes sense maybe to to throw some of those. Cool. In. Unexpected courage is is I think very good still, but it's also maybe a card that we're a little bit tired of at this point, and I wouldn't hold it against anyone who would rather play more interesting skill cards instead. Yeah, especially for Silas, who's the whole point is to play interesting skill cards. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you know, unexpected courage, you just commit it and then you pass and then that's that's not exciting. You don't get to trigger <laughs> take heart for that, you know. It's <laughs> true, that's a yeah. good point, Dan. Alright, why don't we uh why don't we take a look at the cards we have and just like quickly maybe we can yeah, going cut some these. of these to get to our final deck. Yeah, well if you're if you're happy with, with the, the list that we have right now, Dan, and we're ready to start cutting stuff out, do you wanna just quickly read through it so that people listening can can know what we're kinda cutting down from? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so right now, for assets, we have two meat cleavers, two baseball bats, two rabbit's foot. That should be rabbit's feet. I, <laughs> I don't know. Two Peter Sylvester's and two drawing fins. In events, we have these. It's two each of these. Uh, look what I found: emergency cash, fight or flight, live and learn, lucky, oops. Man, there's a lot of exclamation points in this. Uh, <laughs> it's a loud deck. It's like an Upton Sinclair road. Survivors are all about like that action scene, yeah. you know. <laughs> Perseverance. And then in skills, one able-bodied, two defiance, one each of... Uh, this is some weaknesses here. <laughs> Dreams of the Deep, one guts, one nautical prowess, one overpower, two quick thinkings, uh, two reckless assaults, one resourceful, two run for your life, two say your prayers, two take heart. So that's that's our list at this point and we have to cut 10 10 cards from that yeah so here's my recommendation initially i i don't think you need two oops i think you need zero <laughs> but if you really want one i would drop that down to one i i think i agree with you ben oops i i'm sort of holding out for the next level of oops yeah i i think ben is basically right but i also think that it would be fine to keep one as a mascot for the deck uh, yeah. if, if you if, if you want to but but probably don't don't play two 
my recommend my first recommendation would be to cut cash because I think this deck is so cheap. This is true. Like the two, the only two expensive cards that you have are the Meat Cleaver and Peter, basically, and that's a total cost of six. Mm-hmm. So I think, especially considering that cash has no icons on it, and that it's usually a dead draw after the first few turns anyway. Oops, and look what I found cost two. But he has drawing. Th- he has drawing thin for money. And yeah, and we're, and we're probably cutting at least one oops, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I also don't think you need two Perseverance. I think have maybe only one of those. Yeah, maybe just one as kind of like yeah. the and... counterpart to the one oops. Yeah, Same yeah. Same with yeah. Fighter of Flight. You might only need one of those, but we can give that two for now. Uh, well, uh, let me... No, I think you're right. Uh, just one Fighter Flight. Yeah, because Fighter Flight, I think the use case for that is you, we're, the boss is finally out and you're going to spend your entire turn attacking the boss. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's probably not really... You'd rather have just about any skill card instead of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe we need to take a, one or two skill cards out? Yeah, 18 is a Maybe lot. a run for your life? Yeah. Uh, yes. Or possibly both runs for your life, I think. I, I think keep one. Uh, what's what's what else do I have? I think you want to have at least one thing to boost your agility because yeah, depending on the campaign, like you might want to be evading something. Like you might be in charge of invading. Yeah, definitely. You have fight or flight, but you might need to do it a little more consistently. But you do have Peter, so you'll be at like a five generally. So yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'll take out one. I, I'm kind of a quick-thinking skeptic. I don't think quick-thinking is all that great. One is maybe okay. I'm not sure you need to, but I also could be wrong about it. I know most other people like the card more than I do. I was going to say to keep it in this deck just to diversify from the red a little bit. I don't know. It's a, <laughs> just, it's a just thing that color. It's a thing that yeah, makes, makes the colors a little bit more fun. Yeah. It also made fair. it on the limited list. Or not the limited list, the mutated list. That is true. That is so it must be good. <laughs> <laughs> Just like side event. What did they do with it? Oh, they made it so limit one per one committed per test. Yeah, max one printed per test. Right. I'm liking the numbers on most of the cards you have. I think that you could definitely cut the last oops if you wanted to, but probably the rest of the cuts you have to make probably are coming out of the skill cards. I would think. Yeah, I think that's. I'd say so too. Yeah, I think you either need to cut overpower or one of the reckless assaults. Like it's nice to have one of each just in case. You're not in the bad zone for sanity for whatever reason. Yeah, I think it's maybe good to keep the overpower just in case. I don't know if you need the same thing with guts and say your prayers. Maybe they're due. Mm. I think you only want two of those three cards. Yeah, I also think that, uh, well, you're down to 31 now, but if you wanted, because able-bodied is kind of flexible, it can either be combat or agility. You could cut like you could cut the run for your life and an overpower and play a second able-bodied, maybe. Mm. That would kind of give the versatility. Similarly, you could do you could do steadfast instead of guts and an overpower. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that's also. Oh, and you'd, that would be another color. You do have four. Yeah, colors. put some <laughs> color in. Can we get an orange <laughs> card? <in? laughs> uh... You could play an inquiring minds. Inquiring mind. Yeah. I think in, inquiring minds is an eight, right? Yeah, it's an eight, right? I mean, don't play it, but you could. <laughs> steadfast is not going to work for me. But um, yeah, I, yeah, oh, because I, you're you're gonna be right on that threshold, right, where you're balancing your sanity. Well, yeah. If he has two, say he has two horror on him, then he'll be at twelve total, so he'll have a little bit of a breathing room. We uh we didn't give him any way to soak damage other than his natural health. I mean, he has nine that he's running around with, and Peter Peter Sylvester can oh not take anything. I thought about suggesting a leather coat, but I didn't think you'd really be able to fit it in, and you probably don't really need it. No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, you're, you're getting close. And, and normally normally we try not to have a whole lot of one-ofs, but I think that for skill cards, it's kind of okay to just have like a big amorphous blob of skill cards. Like, why <laughs> yeah. Not? If you want to keep the oops, you can take a defiance out. Because as we said, like level two defiance is the is the really good one. Uh, level mm. one's kind of like less yeah. exciting. That might make sense for, for diversity purposes. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I will say it is, a, it is a little worrisome to be running around with three of these desperate cards but i, I guess if it's just three of them then don't forget it's... drawing thin you get to draw like two cards every turn so you'll be fine that is that is true <laughs> it yeah, is I'll true yeah. draw into the rest of these skills, like eventually but... you have to be throwing these skill cards in the garbage and you'll have to get that yeah. upgraded survivor card to scoop them back up only to throw them in the garbage again because you're, you're drawing so many cards <laughs> after drawing thin, you know that's right are you down to 30 now dana do we cut enough cards yeah that's 30 there it is yeah this is a, a final list sadly we didn't get the full color array in here of an eight cards a little disappointing. <laughs> I feel like there should be some sort of alcohol in this deck. I mean, too, we've, but... we've we've got to save something for next uh, time. Though, I mean, right? we if we want alcohol in there, there's the Tennessee Sour Mash. There's the Sour Mash, if... yeah. It's going to mm-hmm. make your able-bodied worse. It, it makes it's... it makes all of those cards worse. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so... it's, expensive. it's expensive to play. It only has two uses for kind of a meh ability for treachery cards. And it's like a one-time fight thing. 
but if you want to have like one alcohol in there you know that's the that's the option <laughs> i i i think it looks pretty good the way it is um maybe just one last now that we've cut out a bunch of cards we usually do like a final sanity check to make sure that we didn't like accidentally cut out all the important stuff or something <laughs> right. so looking at this deck do you still have the tools you need to deal with enemies and pretty pretty reliably be able to kill enemies that pop up yeah i mean we didn't cut any of the weapons i think which is good mm. it also still capitalizes on failure using uh <laughs> using oops and look what i found and Take live and hard, yeah yeah what is kind of good about the stack is if you fail to draw your weapons, you'll probably succeed at uh, drawing your fail cards, which will then help <laughs> right. you draw the weapons as you're failing to fight things. Like there you a, go. That's a good it's just a cycle of failure, 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 surviving, and maybe eventually success. So perfect. Yeah, that's that's the survivor way. Uh, ooh, I actually did see a big problem with this deck, and we might need to actually start over. Oh, uh, there's no dynamite oh. in it. Uh, oh, oh. No, you're so well. We we had to break the streak at some point, right? Yeah. I think I think this has to be. Oops and deck building? No, that's nowhere near as, as catchy. It <laughs> isn't. And drawing thin. Uh, uh, Dana's like a literature major. He, <laughs> <laughs> it's. <laughs> I appreciate that you put it in there on Arkham DB, but uh, it doesn't seem to. <laughs> it doesn't seem to want a Even that. Arkham DB doesn't want it. Contains forbidden cards. It has a big cross mark through it. It's just not letting me keep it. I think this looks pretty good. Yeah. Dana, do you want to just run through one last time and, uh, and and read out what we have for like the final version of the deck? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for each of these assets, there are two uh, copies of each of them. We have a meat cleaver, baseball bat, or a belang pin, if you will. A rabbit's <laughs> foot. I'm just I'm trying to stick with the nautical theme, but we have to wait for the like the in's mouth horror to come out. Um, Some kind of I'm... strange landlubber's peg leg. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where was I? Rabbit's Foot, if I hadn't said that before. Peter mm-hmm. Sylvester and Drawing Thin. For events... Is this like Peter's internship that he's on? Uh, like, what's, what's, Why is he on a boat with Silas? Like, <laughs> with an insane sailor who sucks at a lot of things. It's better not to ask these questions. Yeah, I mean, sometimes young men of college age like to hang out by the docks. Ben. Mm, there you go. Right. Yeah. There's a lot to learn there. <laughs> so, uh, for the events, we have two Look What I Found. One fight or flight, two uh, live and learn, two lucky, one oops, one perseverance, and 13 skills, one each of able-bodied, defiance, dreams of the deep, guts, nautical prowess, overpower, quick thinking, reckless assault, resourceful, run for your life, say your prayers, and finally, two take hearts. Mm. Ooh, we got to click the random basic weakness button now. Dude, yeah. yeah, I was. I oh was yeah, what is our weakness? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's 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 find out. Hypochondria. Ah, okay. Is that? Uh, no, it gets you one direct horror. Perfect. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably you're probably <laughs> gonna want to get rid of that uh, unless you really want to trigger those desperate cards. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but every time he meat cleaves, he'll just he'll be able to heal it. You know. Uh, that's true. I think it's, yeah. I think true. it's not not too bad for a weakness. Yeah. 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 Rather tame. Yeah, I, good job. I Dan. think I think a very solid deck. Yeah, I think this would be pretty good, and it's a fun. Um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting package. You're not just hitting enemies; you're hitting enemies, and you're also being paid money to not be good at things. So yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely happy about this, and I can't wait to try it out. Nice, nice. All right, cool. So now that you're happy with this deck, uh, Dana, is there anything you'd like to plug? <sighs> anything I'd like to plug? Uh. Other than other than the countless liter, literature uh, references, yeah, I already did. Uh, I already... Would you like to plug the the idea of literature or the the corpus of literature yeah. written by humans over Ooh, the past yeah. uh, thousands of years? Oh, there's so much. That's a really really dangerous thing to plug. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> you could always plug Planetary again. You can never do that too many times. Uh, Planetary, it's it's so good. Yeah, definitely read that. Um, I th- I think I'm gonna plug something that Dane and I have a passion for. Which is the Magnus Archives? I'm I'm sure many yes. many people have listened to it at this point, but um, I I think that it's fairly well known among among horror circles. But they're doing such a great job. They're in their uh, third or fourth season at this point, Dane. I think it's fourth now. I think it's fourth season, uh, and it's just chugging along, and it's uh, it's really great writing by Rusty Quill and uh, by by John Sims. If you have a chance and and you like weird horror and if you if you're playing Arkham Horror then then this should be right up your alley. Go <laughs> go check out the Magnus Archives. It's 
It's really great. But but don't stop listening to our podcast. You're allowed to listen to multiple <laughs> podcasts. It's true. Yeah. So with that said, you guys are going to all check out uh, the Magnus Archives, all of the literary references. Definitely not Finnegan's Wake. What is your take on this deck, guys? Uh, any cards that you hate Dana forever for putting in this deck? Are there any rules that Ben failed to correct on, us on this time? Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at miskatonicuniversityradio at gmail.com. But until next time, guys, thanks for joining, and we'll see you later. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining, Dana. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.